right, welcome to the fourth episode of NOC Kings. Dead. We are going to wrap up week two. Lots of interesting things happen. Mike and I are going to break it all down. We're going to tell you who you want to buy, who you want to sell, some waiver wire guys, and just talk about a lot of the things that are currently going on and whether they're sustainable. So we've got a lot of receivers that we're looking at and thinking, hey, is this guy really top 25? Is this is, is he an anomaly? Is this going to continue or what? Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. My leagues are looking okay. My analyst leagues, I'm like, I think I'm like seven and one in my analyst leagues. In my home leagues, I'm like two and five. Looks like you're fighting the sun over there. I don't I am, dude. I'm at the equator. It's that time <laughs> of day when the sun just, you can't hide from it at certain times of the day. This yep. is one of them. Hey, hey, I know about the sun, man. Sometimes you got to fight. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and get started. What's our first topic we got here, Mike? Uh, have you seen George Kittle anywhere? No, man, that whole 49ers team is just a complex fantasy situation. That's the way I would word that. What? I, I just don't understand. Um, I, I can't say that I've ever been mad at a head coach that's not a Titans head coach until this year. This is the first year I've actually been angry with a coach that's not my favorite team's coach, and that's Mike Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, whichever one. Help me out here. Okay. And, it's Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, and it's been a day, guys. Anyways, Kyle Shanahan has, has pissed me off, and I'm going to go on record saying that. Um, we're talking about George Kittle. Uh, I don't know where he's been. I don't know where Ayuk's been. I know Trey Sermon's been riding the pine. <laughs> so I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about George Kittle. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a guy who pops up. Uh, he, he seems like a good buy low for me, but at the same time, I really don't know what to think of the whole chant. I just don't know what to think of the whole 49ers offense in general. Um, they're doing things they don't normally do. George Kittle is usually a stud. Uh, Mostert's usually there, uh, but he gets injured, and then number two steps up. They just draft a guy. He's not playing. Ayuk's not doing a whole lot. Trent Sherfield's been getting a uh, higher snap count. So it's just a lot of weird things going on. Um, what, what are your thoughts on George? Um, yeah, it's a bylo. I don't even know what a bylo really is for George Kittle. Like, you can't get him for a first. Probably get him, right. get him for more than that. But, um, yeah, I mean, the dude's just elite talent. And uh, this goes towards the you want to bet on your elite talent type guys. So, I think my favorite thing about this banner is Mike loves to roast me for misspelling stuff, and he's got George Kittle on here. Oh, God. Loves to roast me for misspelling things. <laughs> so here we are. We're looking at George uh, Kittle uh, straight from Mississippi. Uh, I fixed it. I fixed it. I fixed it. Well, I, I think we're probably ready to move on from George. I think he's a good buy low. Um, okay. I don't know what you're going to get him for. But again, so when it comes to studs, uh, consistent studs, we're not talking about a one year anomaly. George Kittle's produced time and uh, time again. And so that's a guy that I have faith he's going to do the same thing. It's just going to take some time. We're talking about two weeks, guys. Uh, uh, this is. Philadelphia's defense actually looks like they're pretty good so far this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Really pretty bad, but like uh, I really I don't even know who their playmakers are honestly, besides Darius Slay. But like they actually look like like their defense is pretty solid this year. Yeah, they have so, been pretty good. And that was one. Well, was... Go ahead. So, so I believe they're they're bottom two in the league last year against tight ends, but that's not the case this year. It doesn't seem again though. We're only two weeks in, so right. uh, that's the whole point of this conversation. Are these things? Uh, I guess are they 
things that we actually believe, or is it just an anomaly? Like, is George Kittle not actually good this year? I don't think that's the case. We're talking about two weeks in. Uh, but you bring up a good point, though. You talk about that, that Eagles defense, and I think, do we have the running back situation next? This would be a good segue. No, we have Debo. We got Debo. All right, yep. well, let's go ahead with Debo, then. That's fine. Let's see, wide receiver three right now? Wide receiver three overall, Debo Samuel. He's got to stay healthy, but do you think that's sustainable, Mike? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, Debo's always been a stud when he's healthy, which he is right now. So I, I have like I'm starting him in all my lineups. I'm not thinking twice about it. I'm putting him in. I'm setting and forgetting. Uh, he's that talented, especially while I use in the in the doghouse. Uh, Debo should keep being fed, and he's just absolutely a top fifteen option for me until until Ayuk is actually back in full. So let me ask you this: You said wide receiver three is sustainable, and then you said top 15 so what uh, they meant sustainable like his production i guess he's getting the like, targets he's getting the yards yeah well, right. i guess i guess the question is do you think the wide receiver three is sustainable no no i don't top 15 hey top 15 for sure it's just yeah. it's too early in the season yeah yeah no this i agree just, with that this is just be how the dominoes fall like some guys have heavy matchups the first two weeks you know so do they have are they so basically is are you going to be irrelevant enough for Debo to be a top 15 wide receiver and George Kittle be a top five uh, tight end. Do you think that's you know what? Yeah, one of them's got to suffer, don't they? Out of the three, like one yeah. of them's got to fall off, especially when Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback here. Like, let's yeah. just assume well, Jimmy G is the quarterback the whole year. So, just assuming. Well, uh, one of these three guys has to not be productive. Even two of the three guys have to not be productive. So, um, Ayuk didn't really get that chemistry with uh, Jimmy G last year. So, this really could be the G- uh, a Debo year. Yeah, I, I don't totally disagree. Um, I'm a big sample size guy, so I wish we had more uh, a larger sample size for Debo, but he has been good when he's on the field, and so it's hard to argue against that. I, I think that he could be – I also think he can sustain top 15, but I I think Ayuk suffers at that, and uh, with that said, then I think that George Kittle – it's going to be George Kittle or Ayuk suffering, and which one's going to – which one do you think is going to be the one that suffers that takes the biggest hit from Debo's production? So far, it's Ayuk, so I'm going to keep going there. Too, but okay, right. that's fair. Debo sustainable. Uh, we both think Ayuk – I mean, Ayuk has to improve. Like, he's not going to stay as horrendous as he's been. No, I don't understand it. I think I saw someone release a statement today. I haven't looked at it online. It's kind of yeah. everywhere, but, but I'm going to go back to look at that. So let's uh, let's roll right into uh, the backfield for the same team, 49 running back court. Oh my gosh! All right, you want this? Yeah, I'll get this one started. Uh, okay. So anybody who's followed me all offseason knows that I'm a big Trey Sermon guy. He's a guy that I liked as a prospect. I thought he looked good in preseason. Uh, I thought he looked good in in the offseason. He ran with the ones and twos all summer, and then Elijah Mitchell emerges as the second back in that backfield in Week One. Thought it was weird. Thought it was situational, right? I thought it was because uh, he didn't play special teams. Well, here we are. And week two, and Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon are both active. And Elijah Mitchell gets what sixty percent of the carries with Hasty uh, working in. He gets yeah. Trey, uh, Trey Sermon doesn't touch the field until Elijah Mitchell leaves the game. Right, right. So so and, and when that happens, um, so this is a little bit argumentative. It shouldn't be because it's stupid. But but a lot of people are saying okay, Trey Sermon touched the ball one time. He fumbled. Okay. And, yes, technically the ball came loose. However, it was because of a legal hit. He got an elbow to the head, helmet to helmet, 
and then he landed on his head. So dude was concussed, knocked out. No longer conscious. When you're not conscious, you can't expect a guy to hold on to the ball, right? That seems pretty uh, asinine. And it is asinine. So that blew my mind that, that people were saying, well, that's his last touch he's ever going to get. And it's like, no, um, it shouldn't be. But this is Shanahan again. And so with all these injuries, it seems like he's going to have to get that chance, right? Like, like he's got to get the chance, assuming he's healthy enough to play. And if he gets a chance, I still think he's going to – He's going to do well. Um, I was also thinking, too, maybe it was a, a situational thing where Trey Lance and Justin Fields run a similar offense, right, that they did in college, a spread offense. Right. So maybe maybe that's what uh, maybe that's what Shane Hand's waiting on, maybe, waiting for Lance to get that start, and then he wants to start getting uh, Trey Sermon in there. And that's, that's where Trey Sermon succeeded in the spread offense. Oklahoma didn't run the spread offense. So, I mean, you know, you could call that looking into the weeds, and it, it certainly is, but that was part of my deep dive I did a long time ago. So it's not something I just made up on the spot. That's something I thought about a while ago. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. It's Shanahan. I hope he gets an opportunity, but uh, right now, I mean, it's Elijah Mitchell's backfield. And whether I like that or agree with it, it doesn't matter. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Uh, I still want Trace Irving to get his chance, but without uh, Elijah Mitchell being injured, it's not happening. So we'll see what happens in week three. I'm following all the injury statuses. looks like Hasey's going to be out for a few weeks. Um, I know San Fran's actually bringing in some guys for tryouts, so there's no telling what's going to happen there. It's still muddy. It's just not a backfield. I'm too comfortable starting anybody in. Right. I And I, I said this last uh, last week. I'm going to say it again, too. Uh, Jeff Wilson comes back week six, and everybody keeps getting hurt on this roster. Like, Jeff Wilson should be on your roster by now because he's going to get his playing time. He's going to get his uh, his turn. He has the coaching staff confidence. Um, and Trey Sermon right now, like, he's concussed. You know, it's not really his fault that he's concussed. But he's losing that opportunity to shine, and it's going to get a little more cloudy once Jeff Wilson comes back too. Yep. I'm not quite ready to let the Sermon thing go. I want to see the opportunity. But but obviously they, they don't prefer him. So uh, we, we can right. leave it at that. and We'll revisit when he gets that opportunity. If he doesn't win, I'm out on him. You know, I'll take the L. But still want to see the chance. Are you holding on to him for redraft leagues? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah, okay. I still am. Okay. I have him in Dynasty and redraft. I've actually tried to trade for him again. So nice. I still, I really do still have faith. I just – it really comes down to Shanahan that, that's now my <laughs> my biggest issue. It just doesn't make sense with Ayuk, Sermon. Uh, just doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay. Uh, we're move on here. We move on to the wide receiver five right now is Mike Williams of the Los Angeles Chargers. So uh, Mike Williams right now is just on fire. Um, do you think this is sustainable, Jake? I do. Um, so no, well, not wide receiver five. I okay. think he's. A, I think this goes another top twenty. I'll say top twenty is where I'm comfortable having Mike Williams. Okay. Maybe a little bit higher. Um, but here's an interesting stat. I actually wanted to pull up. Uh, uh, shout out to Hayden Winks. I think. Any, any other nerd on Twitter probably knows who he is. but So Mike Williams is in a completely new new role this year, and, and we knew that with uh, the offensive coordinator change there. But his six targets per game in 2018 were 17.8 average depth of target, deep ball. 2019, six targets per game for an average of 14.6 average depth of target. Another pretty deep ball, 14 yards. 2020. Uh, should should read 21. 11 targets per game, 9.3 average depth of target. So they shaved five yards off his average depth of target. He's in a different role. He's running 
more slants, um, more uh, comebacks. He's just not going deep as often. So he's in a new role, and I think that's part of uh, his success. And let's not forget Mike Williams was an absolute stud coming out of college. Uh, he was a guy that was drafted super high, kind of like Corey Davis. They both – really weird, actually, because Corey Davis and Mike Williams both took a long time to, to pop. I mean, here we are, and Mike Williams is looking like the guy. Corey Davis looks like the guy. Um, what do you make of it? Yeah, it, it seems to be a trend now that every year there's one uh, one late breakout. You know, Devontae Parker, Corey Davis. This year, there's like it's Mike Williams. Um, but I, I love that you point out the average at the target because he was used as just a deep threat, and he would go up for these balls. And I'm talking about this dude can fly, but he just didn't know how to land. And he would just land on his back and get hurt. And I think the new coaching staff is trying to mitigate that risk. And like you know, give him those slant routes, those easy routes. Where he doesn't have to keep on getting contested catches. And I, I just think he's absolutely shining. Um, yeah, he's going it. Yeah, it's been a guy that I've been hesitant on. Um, ever you know, I was high on him year one, and then he has not done anything since. So I was ready to fade him. And uh, I know the last people uh, last week, a couple blasts. Man, I knew he was in it. I knew offense. So I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm ready to commit to him. I really think I am. After two weeks, we see a guy who's in it. Now, if this was the same offense, I'd say, let's pump the brakes. We're talking about a new offense here. So I am ready to say, I think Mike Williams is going to be a top receiver this year, top 20. Okay. that's I like that. Like I can get behind that, too. And I just want to highlight this, too, because uh, he was a hot topic all season to debate. And I wasn't in on him, uh, well, just for his last, like, four-year history or three-year history. Um, but the coaching staff or the team – denied to extend his contract. So he's a free agent after this year. They've not extended his fifth year option. So Yeah, those those uh those NFL players love to produce on those contract years. Turns out. Yeah. But right. uh, I think it's more of a uh, I think that's more of the product of just being in a new offense rather than motivation. Okay. All right. We're uh, you ready to move on? Oh yeah. Alright, let's talk about the Ravens wide receiver core here. Let me start this one. All right, okay. so um, I like Lamar Jackson. I had a few spills uh, in the preseason where I said, I think I think, uh, I think, think the Ravens are going to throw more, right? So they are throwing more, but let's also keep in mind that they just lost Gus Edwards. They lost J.K. Dobbins. So would they have throw, thrown more? I think so still, but that definitely plays a role into it. So let's keep this in mind, though. So Marquise Brown is – what is he? I know I've got to wrote down here. Oh, I'm not ready to No, I've got it. Marquise Brown is the wide receiver eight through two games. I hate that. So Mark Andrews is still there. Sammy Watkins is there. And um, Rashad Bateman is going to be there. Rashad Bateman's a first-round pick. He looked great. He's a phenomenal player. I have him in 75% of all of my leagues. Love Rashad Bateman. I think he's going to be a stud. And, again, this goes back to that. I think that – Lamar Jackson is going to air the ball out more this year. Uh, good coaches scheme for the talent that they have, right? And when your best receiver is Marquise Brown, you're probably not going to throw the ball a ton. Now, when you have – so I said best receiver. Uh, I know Mark Andrews there is a pass catcher, but wide receiver. So now they got Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, uh, Tyland Wallace, and Marquise Brown. That's a much better wide receiver core, and you're going to throw more. So what happens whenever Rashad Bateman gets back? I think he becomes the number one guy. Marquise Brown is still going to benefit from that, but he's not going to be getting as many targets with Rashad there. Rashad, Rashad's going to lead that team in targets 100%. Okay. Maybe, maybe I, not over Mark Andrews. I, 
Okay. I, I like Marquise Brown here. I, I think Marquise Brown is the wide receiver two. I think he's always been a wide receiver two. It's kind of a situation like uh, Corey Davis or Juju Smith-Schuster where those guys only excel when they are the second option on the team. And I think Sammy Watkins is probably taking the top coverage as like the deep threat. Um, that's giving Marquise Brown more like uh, more room to operate underneath. Uh, and, and when a shot even comes back, I don't really think it's going to change too much. So I, I am in on Marquise Brown being fantasy relevant. He's not going to keep these numbers up. I mean, but I think he's going to stay within the wide receiver three fresh threshold. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't hate that at all. Uh, but, but wide receiver eight, absolutely not. We're talking eight overall. No. There's no way that's that happening, uh, especially with Rashad back. So, you, so let me ask you this: Whenever they get back, what do you expect their wide receiver sets to look like? Do you think it's Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, Marquise Brown? Like, we'll say two wide receiver sets. I think it's going to be Bateman and Brown, and then Watkins yeah. is number three. Okay, so definitely plays a role. But I do think it's going to be a. I do think it could be a more even split though for targets. I don't really. I think Lamar is more of a veteran now that he doesn't really just do the first read, um, and he definitely has the ability to extend the play with his legs. Oh, so 100%. I do think it's be more of a more of an even target distribution between the three guys, and that will definitely limit all of their upside. I still think Rashad leads. I think he's the best playmaker, best hands. But but what your argument is valid. I'm not saying it's not. Right, right. I got Marquise you. Marquise Brown has the talent. Sammy Watkins. Has the experience and the talent, so makes sense. Yeah, so we'll find out soon. Yes, we will. All right. You know what's and funny though, honest. Rashad Bateman. There's been no news on him. Zero. Zero news. He's just hurt. I mean, it's just there's just nothing. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you you get a timetable, something. You know, I know he's gonna uh, he's expected to miss at least three games when he's on IR, but we haven't heard any update. Oh, I, I thought know. it was four to six. Four to six weeks was. Is last it four time. to six? I thought it was. That's what, that's what I heard. Okay. Well, four to six is the injury, but that occurred in preseason. Three is the minimal for IR. Pretty sure. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, okay. <laughs> so he'll be back if, soon. If we had no viewers, I'm sure somebody correct us. I don't know if our one viewer knows. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. Let's talk about Brandon Cooks here. Um, highly, highly doubted by myself. I am one of the doubters out there because um, I. Just like everybody else on Twitter, I wanted to point out Brandon Cook's history of quarterbacks was like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, um, Jared Goff. You know, he's always had a solid quarterback throwing to him, and he's always been like not even the number one option on the team, but produced really high as well. You know, he's like he's like the number two option, like just like Marquise Brown, uh, Corey Davis, um, productive number two in the league, Juju Smith-Schuster. So to me, I faded. Brandon Cooks at the start of the year. I own actually a few shares of him, uh, but that's from prior rosters. Uh, so where, where do you see him going forward, Jake? So he finished, uh, or not finished, he's currently wide receiver 11. You know, I I don't want to say I love Brandon Cooks, but I believe Brandon Cooks is the most disrespected wide receiver in the NFL. He's put up four, uh, or is it six? It's something absurd. Six 1,000-yard seasons or four or five. It's something absurd, right? I think Mike Evans is the only person who has more in that time frame. And so we have a guy who consistently puts up, and, and to your argument, I would actually counter that it's actually great that he's doing that with different quarterbacks. Um, Tyrod Taylor, like I can I can understand that argument, but they have rookie Nico Collins. They traded Randall Cobb. So it's just Brandon Cooks is the man there. He always has been. They're going to be playing from behind. 
I think Brandon Cooks finishes as a wide receiver too. So we're talking top 24. Um, I'm comfortable saying top 20. They're playing from behind a lot. He's the guy who's going to be getting the ball. I mean, they're going to force targets to him playing from behind. Granted, they did beat the Jaguars week one. That was kind of shocking. But Yeah, but Tyrod's hurt right now. So do you still seem to keep up this production with Davis Mills? Yeah, I'm not worried about what quarterback's there. I, th- I think he's good. I don't – same argument I had in the, in the preseason. I'm not worried about it. I'm still stuck on it, dude. With Davis Mills, and now I'm stuck on like Brandon Cooks is not good again. See, so his 1,000-yard seasons, you don't think they're an anomaly. You just think that they were a product of good quarterbacks? Yeah, and being a number two on the roster. Being a number two and putting up 1,000-yard seasons isn't impressive to you? No, it is impressive. It's just now he's number one. I don't expect him to, to be as successful as he used to be. If you look at like Matt Harmon's reception perception, he's not a route runner either. He just he's only successful on his go routes for the most part. I'd have to flats. see. I want to go back and look and see who the wide receiver ones were because I can't argue it right now off the top of my head. DeAndre Hopkins, um, he was the one for the Patriots. I'll say that it wasn't supposed to be, but he was. And then for the Rams, it was Brandon Cooks and uh, Cooper Cup, and he was there too as number three. And then he was number he was number two to uh, Michael Thomas. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he started off with the Saints. So last year he was the number one without Will Fuller. No. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Was gone. Yes. So, yes. so we've got okay. one example. Yeah, for okay. six weeks there at the end. Yeah, yep. with the with an insane quarterback play. You don't want to say it. <laughs> we can say whatever. You know how I feel. I know how you feel. I, I like Brandon Cooks. Think he's a top twenty-four receiver this year. Uh, right. You don't. We'll discuss next week. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah maybe. maybe. Uh, okay, so let's get to the next topic here. I actually asked one in before you got on the show, so I wanted to talk about Sterling oh, Shepard, wide receiver nine. Yeah. Uh, I'll start. I, I okay. like Sterling Shepard. I've always thought he was a good talent, and again, he's one of those number twos that are successful when there's – well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Let me stop this. Sterling Shepard is a talented wide receiver, and I think he's good. Now, I know – He's he's a volume guy though. He he needs volume to stay relevant. And right now, uh, Kenny Galladay is in the doghouse, or, or he doesn't have synergy. Whatever. He's just not the guy at the moment. That's 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 a clear cut thing. And Evan Ingram is out too, so he's not soaking up those targets. Uh, Saquon Barkley wasn't really too active week one. More active week two. Um, so for me, I do think Sterling Shepard is the real deal as long as Evan Ingram doesn't play and Kenny G doesn't step up. So I guess I'm riding the hot hand, but he's not gonna he's not gonna stay the hot hand. So you don't think Saquon Barkley's gonna uh, eat into that role at all, getting some more catches as he increases his snap share? Do you know how many targets he got this last game off the top of your head? Mm-hmm. I'll look it up while while, while, you, while you say your opinion. Uh, I'm just I'm just not super high on Sterling. So when it comes to um, wide receivers who start having breakout years late, I start wondering what's changed, right? And so Kenny Galladay is there. That's the only big change that I see. Kadarius Tony, but I don't consider him anything as far as fantasy and NFL <laughs> production. I'm not on Sterling. Or I'm not uh, I'm not on Kadarius Tony at all. But So here's the thing. Sterling Shepard's been in the league since 2016, so we're talking one, two, three, four, five. This is a six-year, right? So if he does have a phenomenal year it would be an anomaly we've got five seasons that says the best he can do is 872 yards 
five seasons, and that's the best he's done. And that's not terrible. That's pretty good. But we're talking about 656 yards in 2020, 2019, 576, 2017, 731, 2016, 683. So, like, wide receiver four or five numbers uh, pretty consistently. So I don't hate him. I just don't think he's going to finish top 32. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I think – I think Anunu's being hurt helps him a lot. Um, he also has an injury issue himself. I, I don't think he's been yeah. too healthy the last two seasons. That's also true. Um, so, yeah, I, as long as he's getting the volume, I have confidence in him. So as long as Evan Ingram's out, like I'm going to start him and feel good about it. So you think, okay, so and, and not then worry the about Galladay, not worry about Saquon? I'm not worried about Galladay until he proves it. Saquon got three targets both his first two games. Uh, that should go up, and I guess that will eat into it a bit. Like a little bit. Yeah. Not drastically, but they're also going to scheme differently. I, I would imagine you're going to give the ball to your star running back, right? That's what, right. That's what I think. So I expect he's a guy that I, I think we're talking about later, so I'll save it for later. Yeah, we are talking about later. Cool. All right. Uh, let's get on to uh, Rondell Moore. Why is he 17 right now? Ooh, this is an interesting one. And yeah. um, I think Rondell Moore was my – um, off-season wide receiver seven of rookies. So I had Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, Jalen Waddle, then either Devontae Smith or Rand- Rondell Moore. So he was either six or seven for me. So I've been pleasantly shocked by how well he's doing. I expected A.J. Green to actually have a kind of – not a breakout year, obviously, but a recovery year. I thought he was going to be more productive than he's been. And DeAndre expected to just lead the lead the targets there. I'm not super, uh, I'm not a super big fan of the running backs there. So, I guess just the way they're forcing targets to Rondell and like scheming him is really promising. And right. that's what I like to see because he's a big yak guy. I watched him dominate my Titans with. And this guy is making NFL players look like he's play, like he's like, like they're in the back. You know, just he's 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 really quick and. I've been super impressed to have him in one league, and I'm trying to sell him just to see what I can get, but I'm not selling him unless I get a really good offer because he looks really impressive, and for a rookie to look that impressive this early and the team's feeding him, that's really promising. Uh, are you looking for a first-round pick right now? Um, Yeah, at least. I would say at least a first-round pick. Okay, that's a lot of confidence. Yeah, uh, he was my actual wide receiver eight. Um yeah. So I, I liked him. I made jokes in the offseason about how short he is and how short Kyler Murray is. Like, <laughs> how is Kyler Murray gonna gonna pass to, to Rondell Moore over six foot five lineman? Like so um I do want to share that's what he that's what he's been doing, passing around <laughs> in the flats. Yeah, ahead, they though. just both scamper around and take five steps by the time everyone else takes one with their short legs. Um, yeah, so here's here's a stat I want to give you out here. So um, this was brought to my attention by Matthew Friedman. Um, this is actually a tweet that he made out, and I was all about it, about Amara St. Brown. It doesn't apply to Amara St. Brown, though, anymore. But players that produce as a true freshman, uh, three years out of high school, so they're early declare, and will go, they projected in rounds two through three. These receivers since 2010 are as followed. It's Christian Kirk, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyler Boyd, Marquise Lee, Dante Moncrief, Jay Hunter, I can't remember the first name, uh, Robert Woods, Keenan Allen, Alshon Jeffrey, Mohamed Sanu, and Randall Cobb. Now, that's a pretty good list of elite 
quite a, a bit, wild right? list too because some of those are yeah. just studs and some are just like eh. yeah mark usually didn't really quite make it dante moncrief had like one good year yeah um yeah. now now to add to that list though rondo moore is the only player out of this draft that fits that criteria so he is added to that list so yeah that's that's a lead company right there i won't argue against it i like rondell i think he's a I think he's a guy that you're probably not going to be able to get now because uh, you're going to have to overpay to get him. I don't think you should be selling him if you own him. He's just a, a hold and, and see what happens because he looks promising. Very, very impressed with him. Yeah, he looks great. He's got, well, eight targets this last game, five the first game. So as a rookie, he's coming out with uh, 13 targets between two games. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a great a great 18-game career if he uh, keeps up that rate. Especially with that yak, he's he's looking like a yak monster. Yeah, absolutely. We love yak monsters. Yes, we do. All right, you ready to move on? Yes, sir. Oh, uh, sorry, real quick. You think Rondo Moore is gonna keep up this rookie? He's he's gonna keep his wide receiver two status. That's tough. Uh, I don't think he's keeping wide receiver two. Uh, but I, I also don't think it's out of the like I, of the guys we've talked about. I think he has the most realistic chance of sustaining that because. When you excel in two two games, in your first two games, that looks really good, especially as a rookie. You know? So, like, Jamar Chase, Rondell Moore, they both look very, very promising. Right. Uh, he could sustain it. I don't think he will. I think he's, like, um, closer to wide receiver three, which is still really good for a rookie. But, yeah, I don't think 17 is sustainable. What about you? Yeah, I'm saying he's going to drop down the rankings for me. But uh, he's definitely intriguing. I, you can definitely plug him in your flex all year long out. You feel confident about it? And uh, yeah, I mean, he gets Jacksonville next week, so yeah, like, why not? I, I guess I would uh, leave with this final statement: you're holding, and he has immense upside. We're talking very high upside. So take it for what it is. All right, let's go on to the next topic here. We got Winstead <laughs> and the Saints. You love those damn puns. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm gonna go off with this. I'm gonna start with this first. Um, they look sure. terrible. They look absolutely terrible. Now, I also want to say that um, they played Carolina, right? Yeah, of course they did. I just watched the game like right before this. Carolina's defense looks great. They look actually great. Um, and I'm I'm picking them up in our league, so don't don't put any fab in because you're not gonna get them, Jake. Nah, I got Denver. I'm good there. Yeah, don't worry about it. So I like I, yeah. Anyway, I I think Winston got. Uh, Sorry, I'm like calling me with my words. I don't know the thing about Winston right now. I'm not really too confident. The wide receiver core is weak. I said that would play a role into it. Um, the Saints get the Patriots next, and the Patriots have a great defense with a defensive-minded coach. Um, so I think he's going to get back to – he's going to get crushed next, I do. As a, as a Patriots fan, I think that – uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I also yeah. believe. Um, so I'm kind of on the fence about it. It's – week one, he looked really good. But this is this is Jameis Winston we're talking about, and Jameis Winston has a history of doing this. So again, you know, I love sample sizes, and whenever a guy has been consistently streaky throughout his career, probably a good indication he's going to continue to be streaky when he does that on his new team. Uh, you know, I think certain situations allow for players to excel, and so whenever we look at players who move into new situations or new offenses. I think you say, okay, well, let's see what happens before you make a judgment call. But whenever that player starts repeating history, I feel like we're safe to make the same assumption that we've made in the past. And uh, I was pretty high on Winston. 
Um, and I'm not I'm not terribly low on him. Like I'm not gonna just shift gears completely over one week, but it did not look good, and he's done that in the past. So I'm, I'm still I'm not selling him low in a in a super flex league. I don't do any selling low period. It's always a buy low or sell high for me. So I'm holding, and I'm gonna see what happens. Uh, but I'm not giving up on him. That's certainly sure. Are you uh, worried about Alan Kamara here? No. Uh, Alvin Kamara is a guy that if somebody's willing to sell low, I will absolutely buy. Okay. All right. Good question. I'm worried. I'm worried about him. I'm worried about him. I don't worry I'm about worried. studs after two weeks of football. Two weeks. Okay. I mean, I'm not selling, but yeah, I, I don't know what I'm doing with him. I'm not selling him, so I yeah. guess I'm not worried about him. All right. We're going on to KJ Osborne. This has um, been a fun one. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm pretty excited about this. Okay. So I. I look back at his college tape here. Um, I also look back at my at my rankings from uh, two two rookie drafts ago. He was my rookie wide receiver at thirty seven. Who? Yeah. So he was deep. Um, I watched his tape. I thought he had great hands. I thought he actually more ran like a running back than a wide receiver. Like he's not making cuts. He's he's going to the open space. Got that great vision, um, and just kind of bulldozing his way with power if he can. Uh, but I thought his hands were great. Um, the ball was thrown behind him a lot when he was in Miami. Um, and he always made great adjustments to his body midair and uh, got vertical and caught the ball. Um, now, also watching his tape, he was very good at being a kick returner and a punt returner. And I imagine being drafted in the fifth round that that was his design role, was Probably. to take that uh, pressure off of Adam Thielen, who's you know getting up there in age. And so I think that's why they drafted him. Now, the whole offseason word was who's going to be the wide receiver three there. We were talking about Amir Smith-Marset. Um, I think Chad Beebe might have been brought up. I'm not yeah, sure, but I, but I am now I am now on the train that KJ Osborne is the wide receiver three for the Vikings. So I, I'm a big fan of KJ Osborne, partly because I had <laughs> picked him up in a 32 man league as my wide receiver four or five, and I was like, this guy looks really good. Looks like he's going to beat out Emar Smith Marset, and just kind of a flyer, right? Low risk, high reward. Bottom. And then in week one, he had nine targets. It's like, wow, that's really good. And it looked like they're now switching personnel to, I can't remember if it's 11 or 12 that they had to 21, which is now running three wide receiver sets with Irv Smith out. So KJ's running primarily out of the slot, and he's getting a lot of targets. Uh, in that league, I actually sold high on him because uh, that's what I do. But it, it looks well. I mean, not really because he's he looks good. Uh, I sold under the impression that he may decline, but it wasn't right. a bad trade regardless. So I got basically his worth. But you anyways, uh, you did ahead. that same trade last year. You sold high on uh, Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Well, that wasn't really selling high. I was getting good value in return. That's why I did that. Okay. So you think so? I don't. I don't know. I, I was high on Stefan Diggs before anybody was. You should know that. I was high too. For everyone so, listening, I, I traded Jake week two. This week, I traded Jake, Devontae Parker, a first, and a future third and fourth for Stefan Diggs. And a wasn't single that league. the first overall pick? The 103. 103. Over. So I yeah. trade. That was after Devontae Parker was looking like he was going to be nice. Stefan already knew it was nice, but I thought it was worth it. I'd yeah. say you won that one. Good trade. Yeah, well, the 103 turned out to be, I think, Travis Etienne. Actually, well, so. I wouldn't have picked him. That wouldn't have been my pick, but probably Chaser Pitts would have been your pick. Anyway, whatever. I think it's still a fair trade, actually. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. 
for sure. Um, KJ Osborne, though, he's a guy. I don't know where he's ranked currently, but it's high. It's top 25. I'm pulling it up. I believe it's 17. That's what's off the top of my head. I do want to say this, though, talking about his rankings. He is um, – so he operates out of the slot. Anyway, he's number 10 in the league right now for routes run at 46 routes run, and he's number 8 for the slot. So he took over the slot share pretty much for yeah. – the Vikings and uh, Adam Thielen is getting out there with age. He looks good right now, um, but if Adam Thielen were to go down this year, which is definitely you know in the cards, uh, KJ Osborne might really actually step up and just continue right. to look good. That's something that's- I was thinking about. So especially in dynasty, guys, we're talking about Thielen's what thirty-one. He's old. Yes, he's I believe that's right. I'll and, take it out. And I don't know how many years he's going to have left. And then Justin Jefferson's obviously a stud. He's not going anywhere. But KJ Osborne has a real opportunity to step into the wide receiver two role in the very near future. So in Dynasty, I mean, hell, I have him on our team. I'm not planning on moving him. I'm just going to sit on him. That league's that's all upside anyway, so I can afford to do that. That's why pretty much any old guy who's producing, you guys can have. I'm not. It doesn't work for me. Unfortunately, I'll, uh, I'll trade you Will Fuller for KJ Osborne right now. Mm, that's actually tempting. We'll, we'll talk about that. No, let's do it right now. Do it on air. Do it for the fans. <laughs> I am definitely interested in that though, so we'll we'll discuss it, but um All right. Yeah, KJ Osborne's a guy I like though. So uh he's not gonna I don't think he's gonna sustain wide receiver nineteen. Justin Jefferson's actually getting outperformed by KJ and Adam Thielen. That's not gonna continue. But KJ's probably gonna have a relevant year. I'd say wide receiver three is totally no, we'll say wide receiver four. Wide receiver four, I'd say, is totally reasonable. So we're talking top 48. Yeah. Um, just to go off this, too, uh, the Vikings, uh, their defense, they got a lot of um, old vets on them. We talked about them last week, and we talked about how they're still washed, and I still believe that, um, that defense is washed. I do think they're going to force to throw more than they usually do. Because uh, last year's trends was more like it's a run-first offense. We've always thought that, that Dalvin Cook, and then somewhere like halfway – through the middle there, once the eruption of uh, Justin Jefferson, they started passing a lot more. Um, and I think that's how they're going to operate from now on. So I, I do think the Vikings are going to pass more. Uh, so if you're here listening for Superflex, I am absolutely buying Kirk Cousins. I've always gone to Kirk Cousins. He was my yeah. quarterback 12. Um, and I think he's going to stick around the late uh, QB1 area for the rest of the year. We've, uh, we've gone back and forth on him a couple times. I think oh, you just yeah. have him about four or five spots higher than I do. But, yeah, he does look good. I would totally agree with that, especially if they're yeah. really starting to move towards a pass-heavy offense. That would build really well. Quarterbacks can play in this league for a long time. Right. All right, ready to move on? Yes, sir. All right, Saquon Barkley. So, uh, slow week one, just like we said. Definitely got worked in more week two. Um, see a buy low, sell high. What are your thoughts about him right now? I am probably going to send an offer out for him and. Every single league besides ours. Uh, well, I was at money leagues. I don't. I'm in way too many leagues. <laughs> I focus on my money leagues now. But um, yeah, I'll definitely be trying to acquire. I've been doing. Uh, I have Cortland Sutton in a few leagues. Cortland Sutton's coming off a massive game, so I've tried to trade Cortland for Saquon a couple times. It's definitely a little bit of a reach, but you know, all it takes is one guy. Somebody today. Uh, let me go see who it was. This is uh, let me give somebody a shout out. Okay. Well, while you're trying to find that though, I just want to say the uh, his snap count week one was forty eight percent, and his snap count week two is eighty four percent. So, uh, not to give you two things to do at once, but 
I'm also wondering from you if you consider Saquon back since he had that 84% snap count. No. I would consider him back. So even though he's playing those snaps, that doesn't mean they're feeding him yet, right? And so right. that that was the whole point. I put a tweet out earlier and I said, this is the last week to buy Saquon Barkley. I believe that. I believe he's going to get fed next week. He looked good. He showed the burst that we all love and see. There were some plays. He was making some jump cuts, and I was like, okay, that's what I wanted to see. Now that I've seen the tape, looks like he's starting to trust his knee. Hopefully it holds up. you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's going to be solid. I think he's going to be uh, – I don't think you're going to be able to get him for as cheap as you can right now ever again. Um, it was Ivan Salazar. He actually said – so I mentioned trying to trade Cortland Sutton for Saquon, and this is an example of, of somebody who's panicking. Ivan said somebody in his league traded uh, Chris Carson for him. And I'm like, wow. I'm not a big Chris Carson fan. I don't know how you feel about that, but I would take that trade all day. I like Chris Carson, but not enough to trade away Saquon for him. Right, exactly. Even redraft, I don't think I would at this point because now I'm feeling good about him. Nope. You already suffered through two weeks of Saquon. Now you're going to get the good Saquon, so definitely not. Right. And he plays Atlanta this week too, so. He's only 24 years old. He's the oldest 24-year-old in the league, though. I swear he is. It feels like it, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But he's got plenty of good football left in him. Yep. All right, let's go on to another guy who I'm not high on. We have uh, the Zeke Elliott and the Tony Pollard split. Mike, you can never roast me for spelling again. Elliott with two Ts. You're done. You're done, son. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't actually matter, but Uh, because you couldn't let it go on me. All right, so Elliott bounced back this week. I think he finished as running back eight. But what's significant about that, Mike? Do you know? Uh, He split carries. This is a committee now. But what's more significant about it than that? Uh, I couldn't tell you. Let me make – I want to pull up a stat and make sure. Give me two seconds. No problem. I'll keep talking about how much I don't like Elliott then. Tony Pollard is more explosive. He creates in the open space. Tony Pollard looks excellent. Um, if you own him, hold on to him. Actually, no, don't even hold on to him because he's probably not going to get the, the, the workhorse load. So if you have Tony Pollard and you want to exploit your Zeke owner in your league, I I go I would go ahead and do that. I'd sell him for a second-round pick right now. Um, maybe get like a 23-second because that's a pretty deep class. Actually, this is a deep class too, um, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, but if you had Tony Pollard, I would I would sell. He looks great, but like I don't know if you can count on him on a week to week basis. You know, they love Zeke still. But uh, the most so I did verify the stat. We're good to go. RB nine, Zeke Elliott. RB three, okay. Tony Pollard. So what even though Zeke had a good bounce back week, he was outperformed by the running back on his own team for right. the second straight week. He did not look like the best running back now. Zeke definitely looks like a better fullback, if that's what you want to switch him to. But he doesn't look like the best running back. I told you guys last week, he's a guy that I'm actually concerned with. His snap share was really high, but his pr- production's not. Uh, and this dates, this isn't just a two-week thing. Again, we're dating this back to last year. Pollard looked better than Elliott last year. So um, I would sell Elliott if you can get decent value. I don't know that I want to acquire any Tony Pollard either. I just think that's a messy backfield. And here's the thing. That offense can air the dang ball out. And so it, it could be literally one week that Tony Pollard and Elliott get a combined 25 touches. That's not great because they're going to throw the ball 50 times in some games. So I just I just stay away from this backfield. I would be selling Zeke personally. Um, 
hold Pollard maybe. I don't know. Try and sell high. What do you think? Yeah, no, definitely sell Z for what you can. Hopefully get one of these like these running backs from last year's class if you could. Um, maybe Javante Williams. But uh, his his next game is going to be Philadelphia, and the next game after that is Carolina. Those are both emergent defenses that look legit. And he has a rough schedule, like all the way through the whole year. He plays New England. He plays Denver. His uh his um, who shoot his playoff schedule is the Saints, Washington, the Giants, and then Washington again. Like these are all oh, in Arizona at week seventeen. Like these are all legit defenses now. Um, and so yeah, I I don't think Zeke is gonna be top five anymore in the league. I think that's done. He's twenty six years old. Hell no, yeah. Um, so I'm not really sure he's gonna keep it up. So yeah, I'm, I'm done. Or not done, yep. but I'm looking to I think we're good on this topic. All right, let's go on to AJB. Hmm. Uh, that's a I guy did. I actually bought last week. I did uh, an acronym here, so I couldn't spell it wrong. Hey, perfect. <laughs> what have you got <laughs> jab or something? Yeah. Uh, that's all right. AJB. Uh, man, I love AJB. You know that. Uh, here's the thing, though. So I watch – you guys can't see for anybody just listening to audio, but I'm a, I'm a big Titans fan. There's some Titans memorabilia behind me. So a lot of the stuff I do uh, or say you may think is biased, and that's understandable, but I try and do everything from a data-driven standpoint. Uh, I don't own – I have one share of Julio because I don't expect Julio to be what he has been in the past. He looks really good. But AJB, Tannehill already have that connection. Same offense returning with an improved AJB, healthy Taylor Lewan. It's just the Titans' offense is is an offense that if you can acquire Tanny, AJB, or Derrick Henry, you should because those guys are going to be just fine. A lot of people are concerned with Tannehill, but here's a stat worth mentioning: uh, AJ Brown dropped two games last or two balls last game. Uh, one of those is like a 25 yard pass where he's dashing across the middle of the field, a lot of open field in front of him. Probably got excited and dropped it. I don't remember where the other drop was at, but the point is AJB is a yak monster, so he makes those two catches. We're talking about another 50 to 60 yards uh, for both him and Tannehill. So you need to hold on to those guys. There's no no point in panicking. We looked like a good offense last year. We Sorry, the Titans looked like a good offense last uh, this last week. You don't need to panic on them. Their offensive line got it together. They just beat the Seahawks. That's a good team. Um, yeah, if you can get AJB cheap, definitely do it. I definitely trade, especially in Dynasty, guys. We're talking about a shelf life of 10 years for wide receivers. If you can get AJB for a first, that's a dang still. Um, but let's see what Mike says with an unbiased opinion. <laughs> no, I'm a big fan of AJB. That's a talent thing. Um, I didn't watch Titan games like you watched them. I mean, I watched them, but you're, like, really watching them. You know, you're in depth. You're watching every play. Um, I'm just upset about Ryan Tannehill. My, my best dynasty roster, Jake, it's, I just have to put it out here. It, the quarterback for Ryan Tannehill, my running backs are Dalvin Cook and CEH, and then my receivers are um, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, and then Chris Godwin. And my tight end is Mark Andrews. I am 0-2 in that. Yeah, but here's the thing, man. 0-2. That's, we're talking about, okay, so 2 divided by 17 is what? Fucking, excuse my language, what, 15%? We're talking about 15% of the season here, bro. That is nothing. You got to stay patient. Your studs are going to be studs. Tannehill's going to be fine. Uh, got well with you know the Bucks offense. You're going to have AB week one going off. Mike Evans in week two. Chris Godwin maybe it next week. Who knows? Like you just never know what to expect. So that's pretty much all I had to say. I'm done with uh, AJB. I'm buying them. Don't sell okay. them. Don't sell AJB. 
Uh, just on a passing comment, I think Chris Godwin's the best Bucks wide receiver, and I don't think he has a bad week. And the other guys, though, they'll rotate back and forth, but it's Chris Godwin for me over there. Fair enough. All right, let's go. Let's talk about Justin Fields and Allen Robinson. Spelled correctly, too. That's what we like Thank to you. see. Thank you, yeah. Um, I know that Justin Fields hit Allen Robinson on a deep ball in the end zone, and just or Allen Robinson dropped it. Drops aren't going to continue to happen. Allen Robinson has as many as A.J. Beach right now. It's just not going to keep happening, guys. We're talking about week two of the NFL. Uh, I'm ready to see Justin Fields full-time. Uh, Andy Dalton got injured that game. Justin Fields came in, played a little bit. Um, do you know the status for week three of Justin Fields and Andy Dalton? They didn't announce it yet, but it's definitely turning that Andy Dalton's going to be out. Really? Um, yeah, so, and Justin Fields played uh, 65% of the snaps, and his stat line for 65% of the snaps is not um, uh, impressive. I'm not, you know, I'm not, like, excited about it. I do understand he got that big drop. He also had 10 rushes for 31 yards. I'm just saying Jalen Hurts with 10 rushes would get 80 yards. So, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. Look who's coming around on Hurts. Yeah, I thought I'd see a little more upside from his running. I mean, he ran like a 4-4 too during his. Like, I feel like, I don't know, rookie jitters, whatever, I'm not saying sell him. I'm just a little disappointed hoping that he start out hot. But, so. Yeah, um, Allen Robinson's going to be fine. Uh, Justin Fields, Adam and Scott Fishbowl, so you know he's going to be a stud. That's right. My Scott Fishbowl team is terrible. I was uh, actually the 48th highest scoring team this week. Nice. Yeah, I I have Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, so I don't know who I'm starting. Then I have Joe Burrow. Then we have Trey Sermon, Rojo, uh, Antonio Gibson, Stephen nice. Diggs, Curtis Samuel, Deontay Johnson, Jamar Chase, Nico Collins, Terrace Marshall. Can't put together a solid week. Travis Kelsey, just getting that's right. the point. We can move on. Okay. All right. Uh, also, Justin Fields' first game, if he does get the start, is going to be against Cleveland. So I'm not really too excited about that one. Yeah, they have a good D there. Uh, let's talk about CEH, or as the fantasy footballers call him, MEH for meh. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but I love that. That's um, pretty good. You and I both are not high on CEH. You sold him this offseason and acquired DeAndre Swift. Good for you. Love that for you. Yeah, um, I. Got, you know, it's always funny when you have a solid tweet and the interactions that you get. I think I made a very simple tweet. It's always the most simple tweets that get the most interaction. I could go dig for hours and hours of data and share that information. It's so useful and get three likes. Then I have a few drinks one night and I'm like, I can't believe this is discussion. By the way, DeAndre Swift is greater than CEH. 400 likes and 56 comments. Why? Why do you feel this way about CEH? You know, he's in, he's behind an incredible offensive line. Like, dude was so inefficient in year one. It's a pass-first offense, and he's not the second-best option. He's the third-best option on that offense. So it's just it's not a situation you want. If you can get decent value, you need to sell him. He is not a guy who's going to – he's just meh. Uh, that was a great analogy. He's man. right. He has he is a back end RB two, high end RB three for me the rest of his career. Um, but, well, yes, yeah. Okay, all right. And then speaking of their O line, their rookies are actually kicking ass right now. Ooh, yeah. No, I saw. <laughs> anyway, their O line, their rookies <laughs> are doing great. Yeah. yeah. 
let's let's move on. Let's move on to uh, taunting fast. You want to start us off? Yeah, uh, uh, I have a biased opinion here, and I will openly say that uh, you don't taunt my boys, but my Tennessee Titans would get away with it. So, I mean, we came back and won in overtime, and there was a crucial play where they got a taunting penalty against us, and definitely could have impacted the game. But again, it is stupid. Like, like I'm grateful for it last week, but it's such a stupid rule. Like, we're talking about competition. We're talking about the greatest competitors that have ever played the game and they're going out there to compete and, and win and whenever you're a top receiver going against a top cornerback and the cornerback shuts you down you're not allowed to get excited because you know they're john this guy is john the whole game and whenever you shut them down i think oh yeah how you like that like look, look at what i did you know and you can get excited you should be able to it's crazy to me right. that this is a, a thing right now like I, I guess i get it to the extent of like it's preventing like fights maybe, you know, like enough taunting occurs and someone gets fed up and they're ready to throw a punch. And maybe that's the reason they're trying to prevent that buildup, but they're all jawing and talking anyway. So I don't know. Excuse me. Yeah. I, I don't like it because it's, it's a part of the, it's part of the game. It's a, it's a part of the show. I, you know, it's, yeah. I, I think they're, they're like talking about like, Oh, good sportsmanship, like for the younger viewers, but as an older viewer, that's early age of like 12. I want to. I want like that's part of the game, you know. I want to feel good. I want to. I want to see my boy Jacoby Myers like flex over the defender while he makes a good catch. You know what I'm saying? That's my guy. I want to get hyped up for my team. I just think that's part of the game. They need to let it go. You know, uh, let yeah. the boys play. Let the, let boys, the play. boys play. Love it. Sundays uh, are for the boys now, right? Hell <laughs> yeah, yeah! All right, let's get on to uh, the Atlanta backfield here. Ah, um, yeah, it is gross. Uh, okay, so let's just. Cordell Patterson got two touchdowns uh, this past weekend. Um, I'm not really sure if I want to say he looked good doing it, but he saw six targets out of the backfield, five catches, and a touchdown. Um, Mike Davis hasn't done anything yet so far. He definitely showed off the end of last year. Uh, Jake, if you had to own one of these guys, who would it be? Yeah. Uh, biased me would say the guy that I own shares of, which is Mike Davis. I think I have two. I have him in two of 12 leagues, but he okay. doesn't look good. Um, and Cordell might be the guy. I, I saw a hilarious tweet earlier, and I love shouting people out, but I don't know who tweeted so I'm trying to look it up. Arthur Smith. Coach okay, well, here. I just want to say I'm, I'm still holding out for Wayne Gallman. I, like, I'm waiting one more week, but if Wayne Gallman does not touch this field and show me a little, little something, a little flash, I, I'm I'm done away Wayne Gallman here, so I'm I'm one of the guys still holding on to Wayne Gallman, because uh, I don't think this backfield is any talent, and I think Wayne Gallman is the most talented out of this ambiguous backfield that we like. But, you like Wayne Gallman more than Mike Davis and Cordell pa- Cordero Patterson. Yeah, but I would definitely say that Cordell Patterson is ahead of Mike Davis for me right now. Like that's. Okay. So. Anyways, the tweet was, uh, if Arthur Smith's able to unlock Cordero Patterson, he deserves Coach of the Year. <laughs> I was like, well, fair. This is supposed to be a gadget player can be a stud and just not. Talking right. about like what a six year breakout here if that happens. He he got signed late. Though. He's way older than that. He was drafted as a first round wide receiver. Yeah, I remember he was supposed to be a stud. So yeah, all right. So I'm I'm good here. I just don't want any part. Yeah, maybe Cordero. Right. Maybe no, if you can sell Mike Davis, uh, you should. I don't know, like a, a second, maybe a, a late second from a contender. I don't know. Uh, all right, late second. Absolutely. Patriot pass catchers. You take yes. this one away. 
Okay, so um, as a Patriots fan, love watching Mac Jones. Um, I was asked by one of my favorite film watchers named Nick Whalen um, if I was like happy with Mac Jones' play so far. I am. Mac Jones is being conservative. He's protecting the ball. He's being smart. He operates in the pocket well, but it's all short passes. As Jake pointed out to me earlier, they're like, you know, the ADOS like three yards. Something um, silly, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay with that. It's a rookie year, um, especially when I look at the other rookies. I, I'm fine with Mac Jones building his confidence up, and then I can expect more later on down the line when he gets he gets better at reading defenses and feeling more confident about placing the ball and stuff like that. It um, was it's six point two through two weeks. I think I think week two it was lower. Week one was probably a little bit higher. So he's at six point okay. two, which is twenty eighth of I guess thirty four qualifying. However many quarterbacks we've had play so far, hmm. maybe thirty six. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, as far as the pass shifters go, uh, we talked about Jacoby and Nelson Aguilar, I think, last week. Um, I am now shifting to that I'm going to sell those guys if I can. Um, not that I don't believe in them. It's just that I don't think they're going to be fancy assets for this year. Um, and I'm worried about the Patriots maybe adding more talent in the rookie draft next year. So if I can like snag, again, like a second for Jacoby, he's young, he's got upside, he's got a little bit of the hype train from preseason. So if I, if I could sell Jacoby for a second, I'm doing it right now. Yeah. So, anything to say on that, Jake? Uh, I still like Hunter Henry. I like Johnny Smith, especially with his depth of target stuff. I, I don't. Did Aguilar do anything this past week? I don't. I don't know. Not neither one of them did much. Okay. Well, they did not look good. Yeah, I think it was like Jacoby was like six for like thirty-eight, something, something silly like that. I'm still a fan of John. I'm still a fan of Hunter. Um, but I want to say a fan. It's just like, I mean, we're probably pushing into the tight end two area. Maybe low end tight end one. Yeah, he just he just not. he just spreads it around so evenly that you know it's great for the NFL. He's gonna be a great NFL uh, type of quarterback. But as far as fantasy goes, uh, not too interested. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I don't want to get crazy with that statement. We're only two two games in a sample size, but right. But we'll see. I've been high on Max Jones, so I don't want to. I don't want to backtrack just yet. Okay. All right. Uh, our last topic here, we'll just go real quick over. We just talked about Mac Jones, but the other rookie quarterback production and just how they've done this year so far. Um, I am very unimpressed. Are, <laughs> are you the same? Yeah, no, I haven't been. Uh, I haven't been impressed. There's a stat I wanted to pull up, dude. I wish I would forget. I, I just like process these things and then move on. But it was something like yeah. Jimmy G's like efficiency. Um, it's like 28th, and I'm like, it's got to be getting close to Trey Lance time, right? Okay. we got to be getting close to that. So I, I am excited to see Trey Lance. He didn't look great in the preseason, but, hell, these other guys look great in the preseason. They're not doing much right now, so you never know. you got to give these guys a chance. I still think Max looking good, man. If I had to re-rank the, uh, the quarterbacks just for right now, it's Mac Jones on top. I, I don't know where like Trey Lance is in the back. I guess Justin Fields is number two, and then Trevor Lawrence is number three, and then Zach Wilson is number four. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I just that's just no reaction. So for everybody listening, like you got to pump the brakes too. Like this is just week two, right? Uh, Zach Wilson just threw four picks. Um, Bill Belichick crushes rookie quarterbacks. If if you haven't really heard any of this stats, the NFL gives out like on all the time. Bill Belichick's like record for going against rookie quarterbacks is something like. 24 and one like he just does not lose to rookie quarterbacks he destroys them um yeah. and then he destroys the jets too so just add those two together and then 
Trevor Lawrence, I, I have no confidence in Meyer as a coach, so I hope that Same. they can fix that for next year. But we, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that Trevor Lawrence kind of figures it out on his own for a bit. Um, Matt Jones looks like he's in a good system. Uh, I'm Great sure he's fine. Yeah, he's going to be a, a very relevant quarterback probably next year. Trey Lance, I, I think he's got the job for the year so far. I mean, he he looked slow the first like half of this past game, but Jimmy G looked great the second half. You remember when everyone was talking about uh, Trey, not Trey, Trevor Lawrence being the Konami code? Trey Lance was a generational quarterback. Not Trey Lance. Tre- Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Yes, yes a yeah. Generational quarterback. A generational quarterback who didn't lead. He didn't lead the any of his years in any statistical category. A little bit odd, right? No picks, so. though. His whole career, I think. Yeah, and I think I only lost one game. I think he led those two categories. Well, which was the first one I didn't hear? It. Uh, I think he had like no picks without college or some stupid low number, and then uh, no picks without what? No picks during college, as in like he's done no, like no picks. That's yeah, right. I I need to look it up, bro. I'm not sure if I know it's some stupid low number, and then we can uh, give him the most winningest. We can give him that, but no quarterback okay. stat. There was no quarterback okay. Stat. All right. It wasn't accuracy. It wasn't quarterback rating, touchdowns, rushing yards, none of them. I just thought that was interesting. I was not a guy who thought tre- – I, I thought Trevor Lawrence was the best of this class. Never thought Trevor Lawrence was a generational quarterback. And me stating that on Twitter, I would get so much flack. Now, here we are. Here we are. Uh, that's pretty much all I have to say, though. Uh, anything else you'd like to touch on? I got one announcement before we get out of here. Ooh. Let's yeah, hear it. Hey, so for Friday, I'm going to get on a podcast. It's probably just going to be me. I'm going to talk to you guys about the 2022 class. So I'm talking Debbie here, not talking about anything NFL related, but the college guys that I'm keeping my eye on for this year's upcoming class. For everybody listening that's in a rebuild mode, uh, this will be good for you. Um, eventually, I'll get some of the campus game guys to come back on with me too. Um, but I'm, I'm starting to talk about college players and their draft profile. Not how they produce as a college player, but how I see them actually being productive in the NFL. Awesome. And um, for those who don't know, Devi stands for development, right? That's correct, yeah. Awesome. So Mike's a, Mike's a Devi guy, uh, something that we, uh, I feel like, mesh pretty well together as a team. He's focusing. And, and we'll definitely, by the way, in next next offseason, I will get pretty heavy into the rookies and start talking to them too. But right now I, I stay pretty focused on NFL. He does a lot of both. So Mike, Mike's a damn stud. I appreciate stud. it. That's all. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Um, you can catch Mike on Friday. I don't know if he's going to bring a guest on. He certainly is allowed to. So we'll see what happens there. And um, we'll see you guys next Tuesday. All right. Adios.